Hello again, and welcome to the Brattle Bookshops podcast, known affectionately as the Brattlecast. I'm Jordan Rich. We share stories about books, old, rare, and out of print, the people who buy, sell, and collect them. And we do so with Ken Gloss, the uh, the fellow who runs a fabulous bookstore, the Brattle Street Bookstore in Boston on West Street, an institution for many, 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 many decades, and it continues to be thriving. And Ken, uh, things are changing in the business as they are in all businesses. Well, they're, cha- well, they're changing. The, I'll, and what sort of brought this subject up is I recently had someone get in touch with me who is thinking of changing careers from a scientific career uh, she was in the San Diego area, and she wanted to talk about the used book business, rare book business. And then someone else asked me about, well, gee, in the past, wasn't it like this? And that's why I thought, gee, maybe just talk a little about how things are changing. And one of the things that I'll, I always tell people when they a- ask me if they can speak to me or talk, I almost always say yes. Uh, as long as the timing is okay, I try to say yes. Because I figure if somebody's actually takes the time to ask me, is interested in the business, is interested in going into it, interested in books in general, I can at least give them my time. Right. You know, you're a lot like me, and that's why we have so much fun working together. Uh, I've never felt threatened by someone asking me for help uh, because in my business, because there's room for everyone with ideas. If you have to do and put the work in, then you know what's what's coming up, but uh, I appreciate that about you, and I know you're always there. So so what did you tell this lady? Well, what I told the lady is that the business is changing tremendously. Uh, first of all, when my father first started the business back in the 1940s, if you were, most people who were going to go into the used and general secondhand bookstore would look in a, in a downtown area or maybe out in the country on a country road. They'd look for a piece of property for rent. They'd look for a store. Uh, a actual, brick and mortar, they a, call it. Yeah, today. an actual store that you'd walk <laughs> in and, and you'd look for books and you'd look for items. And now there were a few people, maybe if they were a little bit higher level, they'd look for an office. Uh, you know, in other words, maybe they weren't open to the general public, but they were open by appointment and they'd have their office. But it was always sort of a physical presence. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you know, I she was saying... Well, look, I collect this. I look for this. I'm going after that. Uh, But she doesn't want to get into something that has to be a store of physical presence. And I said, you know, probably most of the people, the large, large majority nowadays have no physical presence. Probably they never see any of their customers, very rarely talk to them. And it's all an online business. So that's one major change. And there's that five-letter word that uh, sends shivers up the spine, lease, L-E-A-S-E. That can be tough well, in this day and age. Absolutely. And one of the, the big advantages of doing it on the Internet and being able to do it electronically, either out of your house, your basement, upstairs, is that you're not making the same commitment. Right. You're not signing 10 years where, you, where the money's every month. Mm. Uh, but that's one one way that the business has changed. Another way that the business has changed is that the way you would get stock. My father, when he started, and I used to go with him all the time, is we would go to the St. Vincent de Paul, the Morgan Memorial. We'd go to the book sales. And a lot of those type of 
areas and benefits. They're not, they're not around. And, or they don't have the sort of book sale where you almost put on your football uh, guard, uh, your helmet, and you go <laughs> rushing in with everybody. Right. Uh, there's not as much of that. There are still the library sales where people can find books. But a lot of people also used to go from store to store to store. Uh, matter of fact, I had one colleague who had what he considered, and he wouldn't show this to people, he had a map of the United States, the whole United States, because he used to go out for two, three, four weeks at a time, maybe even a month, on a buying trip, and he'd have every little store marked down, and then in a little notebook have a note of what he got at this store, what he got at that store. That's all dying off, Mm. because... If you have before, if you had a little bookstore, let's say up in nowhere, Vermont, or uh, maybe down south in a small town, what you'd be looking for, you'd go around, you'd find books, you'd, you'd have them in your store, and you'd be waiting for that time when maybe that one or two customers a week or maybe even a month would show up, or you'd know that this particular customer liked books in the American West, you know he'd be coming and you'd be setting aside books, and then... Maybe every six months he'd show up and he'd buy like 10 or 12 or 15 boxes of books. Nowadays, you just put them on the Internet and off they go. So where does the stock come from if somebody wants to do it uh, on their own online? Where are they getting their stock from? Well, a lot of times they're getting it online, too. So they're they're going online checking. Some of them, fortunately, still come into stores like mine. There are some of them. Yes. They do go to the library sales and the book sales. Uh, and then sometimes they put old-fashioned ads in, well, maybe the newspaper, but maybe now Craigslist. Uh, they follow the flea markets, and they follow sometimes the yard sales, right. which is a huge amount of work uh, because it's just time-consuming. Well, I, I would imagine that you'd, you'd have to have some kind of database to work with because, I mean, just the cataloging of books in – by hand is impossible these days, right? Well, you can do it. Uh, you have databases. Mainly the people who do it really well really uh, become successful. The database is all in their head. Well, that's and, you. I know that's and, the No, case. but, but, the, but yeah. the people, they might not have as broad a range, <clears throat> but in their specific area, field, and subject, they have it. So anyway, so I was explaining all of this to this woman. And the other thing I said, when my father started in the business, and even when I came in full-time in the 70s, things sort of went day-to-day, month-to-month, year-to-year. Now, you had your high points, you had your great finds, but it was pretty much always the same. Now, things change faster because the technology changes, the communication changes, uh, the the sources of reference and uh, that you get change because you. I have my iPhone in my pocket. I can access almost more reference material about books and book collectors than I could have filled a room for be fine. But I tell her the main thing is whatever you get now, it's changing fast and it will probably change by the time you start, change again. And the biggest change you got to be aware of is that it's always going to change and you've got to change with it. Right, right. Uh, other things that, that come up that also are changing is the knowledge that the book dealer has is still incredibly valuable. That What I've gained over the years, what my father had, what a lot of our colleagues have done it over the years, 
is is tremendous, and you can't get by that. I was going to say, should, should the woman in question uh, be prepared to do a serious deep dive into, into the general history of literature and books or what? Well, she had particular interests in children's books, okay. uh, the Oz series, that type of children's fantasy series. And she was a scientist. I, I'm sure she knows how to do reference and research. Uh, but she also wanted to get an idea of the feel of a store, how much time you put in. Uh, maybe when customers come in and they offer you things, how do you bargain mm. and work with them? And, and a, a lot of that type of thing. And I'll, I told her one of the biggest advice, even as a dealer that I gave her, was let's say someone walks in and there's a collection, but you're not quite sure because she was asking how can you be sure about – what you pay is the right price, and then you can make the profit. I said, at the beginning, one of the best things you can do is call someone in your field, get to know the people in your field, say, I've just been offered this wonderful collection, but I'm not quite sure what's right. Let's go in together. What she gets out of that is a couple of things. She gets the huge advantage of the knowledge of that person who's been doing it for years and years and years, which she can then easily access and ask questions about. She also gets helped with the finances. She maybe gets some of the stock and has her customers and builds her customer base. The other thing she gets is that person doesn't end up competing against her because they got called in separately. It's network <laughs> marketing 101 to me. Uh, but in your business, I, I can't imagine – not having contacts, because even you, with your vast amount of knowledge, uh, occasionally you want to call somebody from the other part of the country who might have better access to information, right? I don't have to know everything. I always, when people ask me that, I tell I don't have to know ah, that. shucks. I thought you knew everything. Well. Uh, <laughs> a lot of things. A lot of things. But, but what I do need to know right. is who does know yeah, and yes. where to find it. And so... Yeah, there are many times uh, I I uh, recently had a book uh, that was uh, signed by Charles Darwin. I took pictures of it, and it, it's expensive. I mean, it, into the tens mm. of thousands of dollars. But I had a colleague in Connecticut who I know was an expert in Charles Darwin and particularly in Charles Darwin signatures. So I called them up and I said, Look at these pictures. First of all, does it look about right? And then second of all, I said, do you want to work with me on this? And it ended up working well. We both made a, a good profit. But the the biggest fear I had was, first of all, I can make mistakes. Sure. But it was his expertise. But there's a 50-50 chance independently because we were bidding – that he might have gotten called in and I would have been bidding against him and maybe I would have gotten it, maybe I wouldn't. So it's it's being very willing, and this is one of the things I pointed out, being very willing to work with other people, to, to expand your items, that you don't have to be all by yourself and, uh, and you can uh, do that. The other thing that I pointed out to her is three-quarters of the people who come to you are going to think they know more than you do because they've looked it up on the Internet. <laughs> exactly. And if it's on the Internet, it has to be right. Yes. And so many times now, and, and this is one of the things that myself and even some of the uh, employees who work with me that, we've, that have been doing it a long time, is 
you get people who come in, they call you up and they go, we've got this, we've got that, we've got that. And you go, well, how do you know? We've looked it up on the internet. And immediately what it sort of draws from us is, well, let's see what this one is. And maybe one out of 10 or 20 times, the people actually have what they thought they have and they know what it is and they know about what it should be. Probably 80 to 90% of the time, either they don't actually have what they think they have, not even close, or there are slight little variations mm. and nuances that change completely. Right. Uh, I, one of the podcasts we did uh, was on Make Way for Ducklings. Yeah. Uh, if you had a first edition of Make Way for Ducklings, and it's uh, just an average copy, maybe well-read by a child, beaten up, it might sell maybe for a few hundred dollars. If you have one with a dust jacket that's beaten up, it might sell for more than that, not, not a huge amount more. If you had the perfect copy, I mean, as if you took it off the shelf in 1940, never touched it, it might sell for $20,000. Well, what we find now is someone looks it up on the Internet. They see that one copy at $20,000. They've got a first edition. All of the nuances go by the board. And so I also told you, you've got to be ready for that, be expecting that. And the frustrating, the most frustrating part is when the person still might be worth two hundred, five hundred, a thousand dollars $1,000, and you could offer that, them that much. But if they think it's worth twenty, be ready for them not to— not to believe well, it. well, Ken, in, in retrospect, uh, looking at this whole idea, you're talking about a craft, a field that is uh, stately, has been around for decades and centuries, and it's an artisan's craft. Uh, all the computer help in the world, all the Googling in the world doesn't replace experience. It doesn't ex uh, replace experience, and the Googling, all of that, it's a tool, Mm -hmm. And when I people tell people it's like a tool, if you give me carpenter's tools and tell me to build a cabinet, chances are I'm going to hit my thumb with the hammer. Give it to a craftsman, a cabinet maker, and they'll come out with a beautiful, beautiful set of cabinets with the same tools, the same material. It's the same thing with the Internet. If someone has an idea of what they're doing and learning about it and actively using it and making a few mistakes along the way but learning from those – it's a great tool. It's changed things tremendously. Uh, another change that I was explaining to this person was it used to be that we would have almost a room full of books just for reference. In other words, so that if she was interested in art, so that we could pull out pictures, books telling you about what to see, what to look for, or maybe a book on the American West – well, we'd have to have another section on that, and we'd have to have another section on biographies and another section. We had literally thousands of books on reference. Now, 90% of that reference you can get online, which, first of all, saves me a huge amount of space that I can put other books in. Uh, but it's it's wonderful. I'm getting the vibe then that you're, you were very positive, as you are anyway, but you yeah. were very upbeat and positive with this particular individual, you wanted to go for it because she's got the enthusiasm and some of the knowledge already. So bottom line, it, it is if you got the stuff that you want to take this forward, do it. Well, the bottom line, absolutely. And I told her, you're never going to know everything, ever. 
So ask questions. One of the biggest important parts about it is you're still selling to people for the most part. Get to know your customers. Get to know them as best you can personally. Because if there's a personal relationship, a customer might find a book that you have and a book that someone else has, and they, they might be about the same. And even if yours is slightly more expensive or maybe sl- they still might buy it from you because they know you, they trust you, and the next time you get something, they want you to call them. Exactly. And it's this, about relationships, really. Exactly. In yeah. the same, I said, get to know all of the people who also deal in the exact same field with you. They won't – a few of them might look at you as an – and competitor and not work with you. But the large majority of people, be nice, be social, work with them. They'll give you a lot of tips. And what they might even do, and this happens with me many times, is they might get this huge collection of books. You're just starting out. They already have 90% of it, but they want the 10 or 20 best things, which are the really most valuable. But the other 100, 200, 300 they might say, gee, would you be interested in these? We've already got them. Well, for a beginning dealer, that can be a great start too. And that happens many times, and it even happens with me many times. Uh, I have good relationships with the antique dealers, auctioneers. Sotheby's Christie's are great companies, Bonhams, but their minimums are in the thousands of dollars. In other words, they don't even want to look at a book if it's not worth three to $5,000. Well, quite honestly, if someone has a library that has a thousand books in it and they've picked out five or six that are worth more than five thousand dollars, I'm more than happy <laughs> to go in and talk with the people. And would, those recommendations are I, fabulous. I would guess anyone listening to this podcast uh, is probably in the same boat. Would be more than happy. Well, you've given uh, that lady, and with the help of this amazing thing we call the Brattlecast, everyone out there. At least some idea of what's involved in the business today. And what I emphasize, and anyone listening, if you're interested in getting into it or interesting things, call, ask me, I'll talk, or I'll also give you names of other people who I know actually might talk to you too. And you can't. There's no replacement for being enthusiastic, right. always inquiring, and being nice and asking questions. And people who love what they do. They don't. You don't have trouble getting answers. You have trouble getting stop answering. And the way to get in touch with Ken is just go to the website, brattlebookshop.com, brattlebookshop.com. Of course, the Brattlecast uh, is being downloaded all over the world these days. We invite you to subscribe, rate, and review us. And uh, certainly we'll be back with more exciting stories about books and people and much more. And speaking worldwide, I just heard from someone in Kenya who uh, was listening to it. Of course, it helps my daughter lives there, and she well, told her friend to listen. She's but there's actually, she told me, a bunch <laughs> of her friends in Kenya are all listening. So We love there it. You go. We love it. Hey, thank you, Ken, as always. This is Jordan Rich. Thanks for listening to The Brattlecast. <laughs>